Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Commonly Create Wealth Podcast, U.S. Equities Edition. My name is Marcel Mares, and I'm a portfolio strategist for Century Funds. Today on the podcast, we have Jack Hall. He's a portfolio manager and U.S. specialist, and we'll cover trends in U.S. equities, market outlook, fund performance, and positioning. But before we get started with questions, here's a quick market recap. The S&P 500 is setting new all-time highs and value outperform growth for the second week in a row. Most likely, this is yet another value cyclical head fake, the sixth we've seen this year. And without a meaningful increase in inflation economic growth, it is difficult for this to persist. Treasuries seem to join the risk reversal parade with the 10-year U.S. Treasuries rising nearly 15 basis points. This is mostly due to the volatile term premium and not a reflection of higher expectation for growth or inflation. We believe the U.S. economic tailwinds are strong given massive stimulus, healing credit markets, and long-term drivers of growth. Importantly, a second quarter surge in productivity growth has helped profit margins stay at very elevated levels, which is unprecedented in a, in a recession. The prospects of a phase four stimulus package in the U.S. still captures attention, but it now looks like a deal may not materialize until next month. In other policy news, Kamala Harris was the safest choice for Biden and one that should cause little risk of him losing his lead in the polls. We're seeing the Biden-Harris ticket at about 65% odds of a November win. Now, moving on to questions, Jack, year to date, most U.S. equity managers underperformed the S&P 500. S&P 500 was up 7.7%, but interestingly, 7.5% of that return was driven by three names. Apple contributed 3%, Amazon 2.5%, and Microsoft 2%. These names make up about 15% weight of the index. So it's a big component. Jack, what is Century U.S. Fund's typical exposure to these names? And do you see this trend of narrow returns driven by a few names persist? And how do you adapt in this environment? Yes, well, th thanks, Marcel. And uh, yeah, that really is the, the story of 2020. Um, the market uh, breadth has not been very wide. It's been driven by a, a few select, uh, for the most part, mega tech uh, stocks. And, and so when I was looking, when we look back at our portfolio this year and why we've lagged the market, we have about a seven and a half percent weight in Amazon, Apple and Microsoft combined. So we have about 3% weight in Amazon, 1% weight in Apple and about a 4% weight in Microsoft. The interesting thing about that is we actually only owned Microsoft going into the drawdown in March and April. Uh, we had Amazon and Apple on our watch list for a long time, but we thought the valuations were too expensive. Um, we did uh, pull the trigger and, and add both to the funds. Um, obviously, we wish we added more um, during the downturn. So we think those were, those were wise moves, but clearly we're still at about half a market weight which has been a significant headwind to, the, to our performance. Um, we think investors need to be a bit careful about um, buying those names here. Not to say they can't continue to go up and the market breadth can continue to be really narrow, driven by, we think, um, ETF fund flows and, and, frankly, active managers who have been underperforming and are underweight, similar to us. Uh, you face significant pressures every day, as, as we all know. Um, to buy these names that continue to go up. But from our perspective, you look at Amazon now, it's about 75 times earnings. You look at Apple, it's about 30 times earnings. You look at Microsoft, it's about 32 times earnings. And, and yes, these are amazing, phenomenal companies. Um, they're going to continue to grow. They're going to continue to take share. Um, I, I, I get all the positive um, kind of data points and, and narrative around all these names. However, our view is if you look a little bit further out, 
um, and a fund like ours with high active share and, and frankly, kind of the point of active management is to look at, take a more fundamental view of what else is out there. And, and I think in this market, despite hitting an all-time high, I believe this morning, um, there are lots of names that have kind of been left behind that, that in many cases have those same kind of secular tailwinds, but maybe don't have that same flow of funds benefit um, as more and more money moves in towards ETFs. Uh, one name that we like in particular is uh, Pfizer. And they have two core businesses. Uh, one is um, uh, merchant acquiring. Uh, so this is when you would like say swipe your, your credit card or debit card at, at a merchant, they kind of connect you um, with Visa and the rails and the banks and, and um, the benefits or the tailwinds of that industry um, faces are, are huge as you, you would expect as more people switch from cash to card. We think that's only going to be accelerated by COVID and um, in Canada, we're quite familiar with tap, but in the U S kind of tap is just getting rolled out. And, and we did see an acceleration in, in market share here of card versus cash. And we expect the same dynamic to play out in the U S uh, the other half of Pfizer's business is actually um, technology systems or platforms uh, for banks. Uh, for the most part, they would focus in the U.S. on smaller and regional banks. Uh, but we think as kind of the demands on um, technology needs for these financial institutions only grows, um, once again, we think that's what gets accelerated by COVID. Um, the, more and more banks of larger size are going to look to outsource more of their technology functions um, it's getting more and more expensive for all but the largest banks to continue to invest in that, especially where interest rates are today. So we think great secular tailwinds. Um, this business trades at 19 times earnings. Um, if you were to compare it to kind of more of the darlings in the market, MasterCard and Visa, which we do own in the funds, um, those would trade at like 30 times multiples. So we're getting this for a 10-turn discount. Um, this company, we think, can grow earnings kind of low double digits, through, and they are growing kind of around that range, even through um, some really tough quarters and tough recessionary environments. Um, and, and, but it's just a little bit smaller. It's not as many people's radar. And we think that's where you're going to find the value in the market going forward. It's not going to be by chasing these large cap names where we think the value and the opportunity was kind of more in the March, April, May timeframe, we think. So I would say, despite that being a big driver for the underperformance, that doesn't disappoint me as much because I, I, I do really believe that we made a, we had a watch list. We executed properly. We, we acquired some great companies during uh, April and May. And I think over time, you will see this market uh, breadth widen. Uh, an area that I, I think we will take more blame for um, is financials. Um, so that's been a detractor to the portfolio. Um, I'll tell you our thesis and kind of remains the thesis today. Um, so within our financials weight, which is um, an overweight position relative to the benchmark, um, it's comprised of traditional banks. So mainly Bank of America and JP Morgan. And the valuations remain cheap. We're, we are aware, obviously, of lower interest rates being a, being a headwind. But our, our view um, is the provisions that these banks have taken, um, very significant provisions in um, the first and second quarters, uh, are, are very adequate. And, and I just think, I, I um, think everyone should just kind of think about what you're seeing in the news, right? I mean, prices of, of uh, properties are, are going up at a rapid rate. To me, when these banks made these provisions, that wouldn't have been in the model, right? So their collateral now that they've lent these loans against, even if they do go bad, the collateral is worth more. So I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think those provisions are, are adequate, if not kind of too stringent. And those the losses, so just so everyone knows on the call, like the difference between a provision would be 
um, a bank's kind of forward looking guess of what the losses are going to be versus a realized loss is when they actually face that loss. And so at this point, the losses haven't really come in in any large degree. These are just banks predictions based on their models. And so I think number one, that I, if I was to guess, those models probably change a little bit when the value of properties have gone up like they have. I think number two, um, with regards to the provisions is the models they're using, we've never seen a government experiment like this before where, where businesses are, are, and, and consumers are being given um, like almost insurance proceeds from the government uh, during a, a time of economic weakness. And I don't think that's fully reflected in these models. So not to say these banks will not take losses. They definitely will. There's going to be lots of restaurants or, and small businesses probably that go to business um, there will potentially some risk to some, say, if you're a retail mall or something like that. But I just think that they're already adequately provisioned. And I think that's, this is all in the numbers already. And the valuations are really cheap, like low, like sometimes high single digits to kind of low double digit valuations. So like half the valuation of the market for what I think are pretty good businesses. So we're sticking with them. I will admit we've, we have reduced a little bit of our exposure there. Um, just because we do have kind of, uh, there's, there's some, some risks to that we could be wrong, but I, we're pretty confident on that bet still. Um, also within our financials, we have, uh, alternative asset managers. So we own Brookfield asset management and KKR. Uh, those companies were highly convicted on. Um, we think over time, low interest rates, I mean, pension funds need to continue to increase their allocation, maybe at a faster rate than historically to, um, these these managers to look for alternative assets because interest rates are just too low to fund their pension deficits and then we also own berkshire hathaway which is is counted as a financial but i, I would note that um it's kind of a diversified conglomerate and frankly when you do some of the parts on berkshire hathaway about 22 percent of the value right now is 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 its holdings in apple so uh, we think you can get a, a bit of a play on apple at a cheaper valuation Okay, that's great. That's a very comprehensive review of your day performance. This podcast is provided as a general source of information and should not be considered personal, legal, accounting, tax, or investment advice, or construed as an endorsement or recommendation of any entity or security discussed. Investors should seek the advice of professionals prior to implementing any changes to their investment. Certain statements in this podcast are forward-looking that are predictive in nature, depend upon, or refer to future events or conditions. Forward-looking statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those set forth. Although the forward-looking statements contained herein are based upon what CI Global Asset Management and the Portfolio Manager believe to be reasonable assumptions, neither CI Global Asset Management nor the Portfolio Manager can assure that actual results will be consistent with these forward-looking statements. Certain statements contained in this podcast are based in whole or in part on information provided by third parties, and CI Global Asset Management has taken reasonable steps to ensure their accuracy. Market conditions may change, which may impact the information contained in this podcast. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of return are the historical annual compounded total returns net of fees and expenses payable by the fund, including changes in security value and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions, and do not take into account sales, redemption, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated.